Hi, my name is Angela Betancourt, and this is Culture Matters. Build your cultural competence. Listen to interesting stories. Learn about the cultural fails and how to avoid them. Get the global perspective here at Culture Matters on International Business. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution. He makes you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Every episode, he interviews a prominent guest who will tell you his or her story and share international experiences, making you more cultural competent. And now, here's your host, Chris Smith. Hi there, my name is Chris Smith and you're listening to the Culture Matters Podcast. We are on episode 121. Today's guest is Angela Betancourt. Angela is a global communications professional with over 12 years of experience developing, managing and executing comprehensive multicultural and integrated communication campaigns and strategies within the US and international markets. She holds a master's degree in global strategic communication from Georgetown University and a bachelor degree in public relations from Barry University. We don't talk too much about media and stuff, although this is the starting point when talking about media. And then we venture in her two-year stay, her two-year altering stay for altering for herself, stay in, in the African country, the West African country of Sierra Leone. And this is some good news from the continent. Good news from the continent Africa. Let's get right to the interview. It's time for this week's guest at Culture Matters. Hey, Angela, good morning or good afternoon or possibly good evening. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine as well. Um, I just made myself a coffee and I have a glass of water and I've got you on the other line, so it couldn't be better. I have my coffee with me as well. So okay, this is that's, great. that's good. So this could be an afternoon coffee, an evening coffee or a morning coffee. We still don't know. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Angela, um, where you come from? Where are you now? And what would you consider, I call this your cultural frame of reference? Sure. So I am a Jersey girl. I was born in Jersey City, New Jersey, uh, to Cuban parents and have a very diverse background mm -hmm. and grew up immersed in a lot of different cultures. I'm currently in Miami and um, my, I have family in Miami and, mm -hmm. and, and um, spent a lot of my childhood in Miami, which again is very, you know, very culturally diverse mm -hmm. city. And that's really informed a lot of my worldviews mm -hmm. and also my understanding of people. Um, I'm also an avid traveler mm -hmm. and have been very lucky and blessed to I've had the opportunity to travel to many countries on almost every continent. Okay. And that has been one of the greatest joys of my life so far. Yeah. I work in communications. Mm -hmm. um, I do communication strategy and marketing, and that's kind of a broader umbrella. But beneath that, there's content creation and social media as well as advising on 
tactics and objectives mm-hmm. for various companies across a lot of different industries. Okay. Are, are those are those mainly dominated in the US, the, the companies that you work for? Yes, predominantly in the US. Mm-hmm. I've again I've I've had the opportunity to work um abroad, so mm-hmm. I I spent two years in in Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. Before that, I traveled quite a bit throughout South America Mm -hmm. and have also had the opportunity to um, work in Nairobi for a very short time. Okay. Now, getting all the uh, the way back to your your initial uh, introduction, your parents are Cuban, correct? Correct. Does that mean, and you live in Miami, does that mean you speak Spanish as well? I do speak Spanish fluently. It was actually... Technically, my first language. Technically, your first language. All right, because yeah. I mean, I'm at Cuba, of course, is is uh, Spanish speaking. Um, yes. But uh, I mean, it's one. There are a couple of the, these cities. The southern border, if you want, it's a horrible, horrible word to use nowadays. The border, I mean, with Mexico, etc. I don't mean it like that, but the uh, like Los Angeles and um, a state like uh, like New Mexico and Arizona, etc. And typically Miami. I mean, everything is is almost bilingual, if not pre- predominantly Spanish. Correct. That's correct. Yes. Okay. Is That's that is, accurate? Yeah. And and um, tell us a little bit about Little Havana, which is in Miami as well. You do you live there, or do you go there often, or you must have been there? I do not live in Little Havana, but go there <laughs> quite a bit because uh-huh. there are uh, delicious restaurants yeah. in that um, area. It's also a little bit of an epicenter for the Cuban community Mm -hmm. so hence the name it's where you have um very kind of famous restaurants like the versailles restaurant Mm -hmm. which in addition to restaurants it's almost kind of a gathering point you'll see you know it's been in the news in the past as a place where people kind of get together when there are uh top you know urgent topics uh relating to the cuban community right Uh, so it it's and there's a lot, a lot of things there like Domino Park, which is also a historic place in and of itself, where mm-hmm. um, a lot of people go and play dominoes, and and it's very mm-hmm. much a cultural like a Cuban cultural experience, mm-hmm. and so I do enjoy going there as often as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm on the beach side, so I'm in mm-hmm. Miami Beach, and so it's it's. It's a bit of a drive to get there, yeah. but I do enjoy going. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put you in my contacts as a holiday destination. <laughs> Please do come on down. All come right, excellent. Um, this, I've, I've, I'm, I've always been curious about Cuba. I've been there uh, years and years ago, a really a long time ago, uh, possibly 20 years ago. I mean, I just missed the Iron Curtain, if you want, in Europe. That was so. Was, was past 1989. Um, and I, what I can remember, what I can take away from, from, uh, an, an incident that happened in, in, cause I was in Havana and I, I did, um, I did manage to illegally, uh, how do you say, convert some US dollars into, uh, Cuban pesos. Then I saw there was a guy in the, in the corner of a street. He was selling, uh, dulce de algodón, which I think is cotton, cotton, cotton candy, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I got in line. There was a queue with this guy was making this and I, I got in line. And uh, I, so it finally was my turn to order what I wanted. 
And uh, he he said he couldn't help me. I said I can pay you in, in in dollars. No, I can't take that. I can pay you in pesos. No, I can't take that either. So that really stuck in my mind. I mean, even if if you have the money to pay, then they would just not take it from you. Um, it, there must so much must have changed in Cuba. Is can you can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I went for the first time uh, when I was fifteen years old. I haven't been back since, so okay. it's quite a bit now. Um, my mom, however, has started going every year now, the last okay. couple of years. So mm-hmm. she she does share stories of her experiences there. We, we still have family there. Mm-hmm. And she, um, you know, as the family gets older, her siblings are getting, my aunts and uncles are getting older. So it's really important for her to go um, more frequently. And, and I hope to to be able to join her because as as a teenager, it was a different experience for mm-hmm. me. So um, I, I don't remember. Actually, I do remember trying to buy things, but there just wasn't anything in the stores right. yeah. to buy. Um, there was a, a bakery uh, across the street from where my family lives. And I remember trying to go there and buy something. And it just there was just nothing there to buy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do, I do remember that experience. Um, but actually, no, I actually should ask, you know, we talk a lot about what she, you know, what she did when she was there and how mm-hmm. the family's doing, but I haven't actually gotten too deep into a conversation with her in mm-hmm. terms of what she's been buying or not. Yeah. She, she has come back with some souvenirs, but I, I actually should ask her what this experience with the money and exchange has been. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I think the, the, the image that you could get, from Cuba and for from Havana is that like it's this tropical island, you know, with these 1950s car, you step back in time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You can walk to this point, which is 90 miles from, from the, what is it, Key West, I guess. Um, but I think the, the image we, we create or, or are that, that is being presented to us, it's a lot more romantic than, than real life is, is right there. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. Cuba is, there is so much charm there. That's one of the things that stuck with me. One of the things that I s- still see with friends that have gone recently and they'll mm-hmm. show me photos. There is a lot of romance mm-hmm. to be had in, in, in that part of that experience that the people of, you know, the Cuban people are passionate people, but there are a lot of realities, right. Yep. Of, of living in that context. And Sometimes you can seek that information out. There, there are people talking about that side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when I see it in movies, you know, it is romanticized, but yeah. there is there is a, a, a reality there as well of, mm. of what people are going through on the island. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I loved it. I must say. I mean, uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but it was it was such a long time ago, and I'm very happy I've I've seen it in the state that it that it was, even though it, you know it, it's not it wasn't a pretty picture per se. Um, but nonetheless, it's something that at least I, uh, I, I can carry along in my, in my, my cultural baggage, if you want. Now, um, you live in, in Miami, you said on the beach or at least close to Miami, Miami beach. It's, it's where I'm currently based. I'm there or I'm in New York. Oh, okay. All right. Now being, being from Cuban parents, but living in the United States, could you, could you go back to, to Cuba or to what extent are the people that live in, in the, the, the Cuban immigrants into Florida, into the United States, to what extent are they different from the people on the island? 
I, I think there's a lot of differences. And again, I'm, I'm kind of coming from my 15 year old self being uh-huh. there. It's just a different experience. Um, it's, you know, in, in the United States, you have the opportunities that are available, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think you, you can come to the, you know, people that have come here from Cuba. Um, there's a lot of Cuban families in Miami and, and in other cities that, um, have done very well for themselves and mm-hmm. it's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough question to answer because mm-hmm. I think it just depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, but I think, you know, people are, you still have the, you know, the Cuban people are passionate people. They, they're, they're, they love, you know, there's good food, there's good music. And that's very much a part of the cultural dynamic yeah. of, of being a Cuban person. So that, that hasn't changed. You know, you, you, you'll see um, lots of um, plenty of Cuban um, clubs, salsa, you know, merengue, salsa, Hispanic music in general mm-hmm. that um, you can find mm-hmm. and seek out here. And there's tons of Cuban restaurants. So I would say from a, you know, from this cultural perspective, the Cuban people are, are, they're, they're vibrant people, um, mm-hmm. and that and that is common in the United States as well as in mm-hmm. Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other differences, but I think that has more to do with context, right? Of conditions of the way people live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, as well, social context. You mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, agree. Um, I want to segue into um, uh, a little bit more of what you've uh, the other other things you you do because you you seem to have a lot of a lot of interests at least. I got from your LinkedIn bio. It says there that you you uh, have a deep understanding of media relations. Uh, can you explain yes. a little bit of what that is? And my my question linked to that in terms of culture is: you've traveled. You're an avid traveler. How do you see? people treating media in in different countries or in different cultures around the world being different from say what you're used to in the United States. That's an interesting question. It's it's very different. I've had very interesting media relations um experiences in different countries. Mm-hmm. And in the United States there is So l- let me just backtrack for a second. Sure. So in terms of my media relations work um, I help businesses, individuals, organizations tell their story mm-hmm. to their audience via various media platforms. Mm-hmm. So how these companies and businesses, organizations, individuals tell their story in relation to these different media platforms is my is part of the work that I do. Okay. Can you, can, so can you give some it, examples of media platforms that you're talking about? Sure. So for example, um, you know, from, from the public relations kind of communications umbrella, mm-hmm. I help um, connect businesses and organizations to media platforms that are a good fit for them to share their story. Are you, are you talking so, about YouTube or LinkedIn or, or Instagram? I'm talking about magazines, oh, radio. Okay. Um, yes, also social media. So it's 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 connecting publications to organizations, to businesses, 
to people that have a story to tell and connecting them with writers, editors, contributors that will help tell that story. Right. Okay. And that's online magazines, print magazine, newspapers, podcasts, any, any type of um, media platform in the digital space predominantly I help connect businesses and organizations okay. to these platforms so that they can tell their stories. So how, how do they differ from, um, say, uh, if Africa and, and say, an Anglo-Saxon country like the, like the United States? So, well, it, well, it depends which, which country, right? Every, every yeah. country is going to have different contexts. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, having done work in in kind of this media space in Sierra Leone is the media landscape. So in the United States, if you wanted to share a story, mm -hmm. if you want, you, you have some news, something exciting is happening in your organization, or you have something important that you really want to say mm -hmm. that's newsworthy, then you can contact an editor, contact, contact a, a writer mm -hmm. and say, you write about this and I have this story to tell on the same subject. Would this make sense? Can you help me write about this story? Yes. Right. So news editors seek out interesting news pieces and, and then that connection happens. Um, in Sierra Leone, for example, the, the media landscape is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that has to do, and, and, and it's not to say that it's not changing. Some of the work that I did there was to help drive this change. And there are publications that are doing mm -hmm. this already there. But the broader landscape has been that you pay to have your story, your story told in a, okay. in a publication, uh -huh. which in the United States, that's just advertising, right? You're... Okay. You, you want to publish something and you want to publish it exactly the way you see it, then you can buy advertising space in the United States, right? Yeah. As opposed to you tell your story and then you're interviewed about it or there's, there's a, it's, it's framed in a way which makes sense to the publication. So, mm -hmm. and, and I think, and that's going to vary greatly from country to country, city to city, context to context. But what I thought was really interesting was this kind of dynamic of um, pay to get your posts. And, and, and that really comes down to challenges in the business model. Mm. When I was in Singapore, there was this, what was interesting about the media landscape in Singapore is that while there is, free, you know, this, this concept of free press, there, there are limitations Uh -huh. And, and it's, and this was a year ago, so maybe things have changed or things are changing, but mm -hmm. there is this sense of, you don't want to talk about any particular leader because it might disrupt yep. this, 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 this balance that Singapore has achieved. And Singapore geographically is a very interesting country. It's, it's, it's governing body is also very interesting because you have three different um, backgrounds mm -hmm. represented in one governing body, yeah. which I think also makes Singapore so unique. I mean, different and backgrounds. So, are you talking about cultural, different cultural backgrounds? 
correct because Singapore is comprised of Chinese people. It's comprised of Malaysian people. It's right. So, and, and the government body represents that. Uh And so there's this kind of sense of, well, you don't want to talk wrongly about the Chinese, you know, person in government or the Malaysian person in government, because Singapore has achieved this kind of very interesting and unique balance Mm -hmm considering where they are geographically as well, that it's not a good idea to disrupt that too much. No. And so there is free press, but when I was there, there was was conversation around, well, how much free press do you actually have? Mm. So now you'll see it's discouraged, right? So now you have blogs and, and kind of independent people that are speaking out, you know, more openly. But the traditional media platforms do have this kind of balancing act and so it's very interesting um the media dynamics in in different countries and a lot of you know in the case of sierra leone it was more of a of a business model um issue i I, in my opinion i think i'm sure there's more to it than that Um, and then in singapore you have this kind of geopolitical balance you don't want to disrupt too much Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah it's like there's free press but there's varying degrees of free press and i think that you see that change throughout various countries yeah it's it's like i mean democracy american democracy is different from indian democracy is different from russian democracy if you could call it a democracy at all even i guess so i mean the word is being used indeed like free press is being used but how it manifests itself can actually differ differ quite a lot per country um I'm I'm curious. I'm, I can understand Singapore. I mean, this is going to sound like a silly question. I hope it, it's not intended like that. I can understand why why you would go to Singapore, uh, but how do you end up in in Sierra Leone? I mean, how why not Nigeria, for instance, or Ghana? Uh, so why Sierra Leone specifically? Well, well, that was I was working there. I had wonderful opportunity to um, be a part of this program mm-hmm. called Sierra Leone Opportunities for Business Actions, uh, which is SOBA for short. Yeah. And I had, I had the opportunity to, to go work on this project. And that was my first time going to um, the continent. So prior to that, I'd never been anywhere in Africa before. Uh-huh. And I had this wonderful opportunity to go and work on this private sector development program, post Ebola, helping to to drive economic growth and help businesses get back on track. And so that was one of, you know, the, the best things I, I've ever done, both for my personal life and my career. And so it was, the opportunity took me there. And so I, I was absolutely going to go. What and, and so, the, what what is the drive to go there? And and so you land uh, in in Sierra Leone, and then th- what's the culture shock you you've experienced? Well, I I knew a little bit about Sierra Leone already um, from pop you know pop culture, if you will. Right? I saw I saw Blood Diamond. I saw okay. I read you know I I read about it. I watched other documentaries about their civil war. And of course, Ebola was going on at the time. And so any most news channels were covering it in some capacity. So mm-hmm. I, I feel that through, through that initial um, research and, and through that initial kind of 
learning about the country, I, I, I saw the worst of the country, right? Um, the, Can you give the, an example, the, please? Well, I mean, when you watch the news, right, the, the Ebola coverage was dead bodies coming out of right. this, you know, um, uh, people in hazmat suits. And, and, and then, of course, you know, you, you, all of these different um, documentaries about the civil war and the, the atrocities, the horrors that the Sierra Leone Sierra Leonean people live through. And this was, and then you read about the history of Sierra Leone and it's just this, you know, it's this onslaught of, of all the horrible things that this country has been through. Uh So, you know, that was kind of my initial, I mean, that was just my first picture of Sierra Leone. And then of course um, you read, you know, the, the, the state department, you know, they post the warnings about um, the countries. Right. And that was just, I mean, if and anyone who reads that would would just be horrified. It was so a lot of mm. what I was initially exposed to about the country was negative. Yeah, and that's just because of the news coverage and the films and all of this stuff. And then you know, I I I, I went because I felt a, I, I wanted to do this work. It, it was the most challenging opportunity in my career thus far. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't, uh, I don't get, I, I can see all of these things and just still want to see things for myself. I, I, I want, I still wanted, I think my curiosity was, okay, I'm reading all of these things. I'm getting all these warnings. I'm, I'm watching the news and I saw these documentaries and, and there has to be more to it than just that. And my experiences in traveling to other, you know, countries, particularly developing countries, the first thing you, you exposed to is the horrors of whatever that country went through. And I, number one, just felt that this is going to be some of the most important work of my, of my life and my mm-hmm. career. And mm-hmm. there was, an, I saw an opportunity to, to have real impact. Yeah. I saw an opportunity to, to go to Africa, which is someplace I've always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go with the idea of, of doing something good. I, I always knew that, my first time going anywhere in Africa wasn't going to be on a safari. Mm. I, I always knew that my first time going was going to be in, in, in a way of being able to help, being able to do some, have some sort of impact. Yeah. And that, and I knew that from when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. So when this opportunity came up, it was just, it was like, an, it was an, it was obvious that there was even no questioning. I just knew. Yeah. Um, and, and I knew arriving that, you know, getting there, that there was still Ebola. It was on. It was on the on the ending side. There were about forty cases left when I arrived. Yeah. And you know, so when I arrived there, I realized that yes, this country has been through hell and back. Yeah. Um, but Sierra Leone is beautiful country. I mean, stunning. The mountains, particularly in in, in Freetown. It's mountainous. It's lush. It's green. Mm. The beaches, unbelievable, mm. unbelievably mm. stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people are amazing, mm. and they're fun, and they're 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 warm, and they're welcoming, and they're friendly, and it it was it was, it was wonderful, um, to, to, to get to know 
all of my colleagues, uh-huh. Sierra Leonean colleagues, um, my, all of my new friends there. Okay. It was, I, I tell people all the time. And in fact, I, two of two friends of mine, actually, they did come to visit me mm-hmm. and I'm so happy that they did because, and, and on, you know, my social media, I was constantly sharing pictures of, you know, beautiful, how beautiful the country is right. um, and the sunsets and the food is amazing. You, you talk and, very, and country, very passionately and, about this. I mean, your experience. Here. I and do. You, and you've been there for I two do. years, correct? I lived there for two years. Uh-huh. And, and, and it was... And to, to what extent has this changed you? And to what extent has this changed this experience, changed Angela? <laughs> I, 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 I can write a book in all of the ways. Um, mm-hmm. In so many ways. It was... I think one lesson was in resiliency for me. Um, you know, you, it's, it, it, it taught me so much about what strength really means. Mm-hmm. Um, the women in Sierra Leone are some of the strongest women ever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're the, the, all of all Sierra Leoneans, men, women alike are resilient. Uh, everything that they've been through, they still have, this warm spirit about them. Uh-huh. It's not to say that they're not having hardships, but it's, there's a warmth to them. Um, that's undeniable yeah. that, that that's there. And yeah, I, I've, I've never, I've always liked to think of myself as somebody who doesn't take things for granted, who is grateful and open and appreciative because of my travels for the things that I have mm-hmm. um, in the United States and being there for two years, there were other, it was not just a reminder, um, but also eye-opening in other ways. Um, and and so, it, yeah, it was, I, I can't count, I, I, I came back a much better woman. Mm-hmm. I came back a um, stronger woman. I came back um it, I just, it was, I, I can't really articulate it very well. <laughs> I it's can hear just, that. I, I, yeah, I came back a very different person, a better person. Mm-hmm. Would, would you go back if you get the, if you, if you would get the opportunity, would you go back? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm already, I'm already trying to figure out when I can go back to visit mm-hmm. on, in a dry season because the rainy season there is serious. It's horrendous, um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. I've never, <laughs> I've been through hurricanes and some of the, some of the, the rain that I saw there and it, it blew my mind. Mm. Um, so yeah, the dry season, I would love to go back and visit, mm. love to go back and visit. Yes. I miss the beaches, river number two, Burray beach. I highly recommend Googling <laughs> those cause they're stunning. I miss the people. I miss the food. I, I, I grew I grew so much as a person there in so many ways that I admit, you know, my heart, a lot of my heart is still there. It's, I, can, I can hear that, yeah. Yeah. And even though there's so much darkness in uh, in, in Africa in terms of, you yes. know, the, the mishaps going on and still, I mean, misgovernance and stuff like that. There's, yes. It's nice to hear um, a very, uh, very upbeat and, um, and then passionate, more so, more so passionate, I guess, than upbeat even story about, um, about a, a, a Western African country i mean having having said that i'm 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 looking at the and i suddenly hit my mic as well um i'm uh, looking at the clock here angela as well 
from these two years of of being there in Sierra Leone, coming back to the United States, if you can give the audience three tips to become culturally competent, what would they be? I think the first one is to have an open mind mm -hmm. and to really understand what it means to grow up and live life in a completely different context than your own. Uh -huh. And so that's the first thing is to don't assume, go in open-mindedly okay. and form your own. Don't assume because of what you've seen or heard or other people told you. Go in there with a, as much of a blank slate as possible when you're going to a new country, when you're meeting new people, when you're engaging with a, a, a person that's very different from you. That would be the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is ask questions. Uh -huh. Yes. If It's okay to ask questions. If there's something you don't understand, if there's something that bothers you, if there's something you want to know more of, ask questions. People, people are willing to, to answer. I, I, I joke about this all the time. I had a, a million questions for people, the, the very first people I met yeah. um, in Sierra Leone. I had so many questions about the religion and about the interactions between the religions mm -hmm. and, and the, and Wi-Fi and <laughs> I, I just everything. I had yeah. a lot of questions about their experience and I asked those questions and it came from a place of open-mindedness uh -huh. and people could see that. And so they responded. And I think that asking questions is the first step to really start to connect to someone or a culture or people that you yeah. don't know or understand. So ask away and do it from a place of open-minded. And like the third, I would say is to give, give yourself the opportunity to adapt because it's, I think that when you go into a new, into a new country, into a new environment, when you are experiencing something for the first time, there could be culture shock or there mm -hmm. could be hesitation or resistance or, and I say, give yourself, take a deep breath and give yourself a moment to ease into things. Don't, don't, um, think that, that whatever that first impression is, especially if it's negative, mm -hmm. if that, that that's the way it's going to be, yeah. um, give, give a place a chance, give, give a person a chance to, and give yourself the opportunity to adjust, to absorb, to, to, to let it all in. Um, you know, when I, I think about this, you know, when you first arrive to Sierra Leone, you're at the airport and you have your suitcase as you head outside to get to your shuttle bus. because there's like a ferry. There's a there's a strip of water that you have to cross from the airport to get into Freetown. So you have to kind of get on the bus and then get on the boat. Okay. And there's just these different steps. And when you first get your suitcase and you first walk out of that airport, there are so many people that come running up immediately to you. You know, let me help you with this. Let me help you with that, right? Yeah. Because they want to make tips and all of these things. And it yes. can be very, very overwhelming. And I tell people, you know, I, I you know, it, it's yes, that, that that's going to happen. And it can be very intense. But don't give yourself the opportunity to just get through that moment. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't just assume that, oh, my gosh, like, that's it. I'm going to hate this place. Yeah. 
um, or I'm going to hate these people or I'm going to hate this. I'm going to hate this, this, this city or whatever. Just give yourself time to, to settle in to something into a situation. I think that's really important because get making a knee jerk reaction or assuming that, um, that something is going to, that that's going to define the rest of that experience could, could be a mistake. Could be, yeah. And yeah. And I, so those would be my three things. I could bias indeed, indeed in terms of, yeah, you see one thing negative, you'll see everything negative. It's like the glass will be half in. Correct. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's just point. kind of, yeah. So, and so I think those three things kind of being open-minded, being curious, asking questions, And, 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 and really kind of giving yourself the opportunity to settle into an environment, give yourself humans, we're very adaptable, I think, and, mm -hmm. and give your, give your chance, give yourself the opportunity to adapt yeah. to something. And I, and I think you would surprise yourself. And so I think those three things are, are connected. And I think those three things are, are important to really embrace and, and kind of really kind of get into A, a new culture or understanding a culture that's not your own excellent points Angela thank you so much for that if people want to get in touch with you in, uh, should they want to do that how can they do that absolutely so um, I think a great way is I have a website it's AngelaBetancourt.com and from there you can connect with me on LinkedIn okay I'll put those links in the show notes and uh, Angela Bettencourt and your LinkedIn profile uh, link will be in the show notes as well of this 121st episode of the Culture Matters podcast. Angela, thank, thanks so much for taking the time out of your schedule, busy schedule. I don't know, but thank you for getting on the show and I'm pretty sure we'll bump into each other in the future. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And please come down to Miami or anywhere in the States. Let me know. <laughs> I will for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you, Angela, for the uh, the upbeat talk about Africa. This is it for the Culture Matters podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please do so. And do leave a review in iTunes. The more, the better, the higher, the more stars. Of course, the more people will, will get access to this podcast as well. The music you hear in the background is from Ben Sound. Check them out at bensound.com. My name is Chris Smith. This was the Culture Matters podcast. And I'll be back in two weeks time. You take care. Bye. That's it for this episode. Culture Matters, making you understand cultural diversity better by interviewing real people with real experiences. Your host, Chris Smith, has a plan. A plan for people who are looking for a solution.